pleased Darius to set up over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps would give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because of an excellent spirit that was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. And no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O king, Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes partition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Dan, Daniel was brought out and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continuously, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. 
the king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, and they, their children and wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all of their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. May God bless his word to his people. Please be seated. Please pray with me. Lord, we pray that as we open up uh, Daniel chapter 6, that uh, what you would have for us to learn today um, will be clear. May your Holy Spirit carry along his word as we know he will uh, to our hearts. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If I were to give you a piece of paper and a pen and told you, let's write down every temptation you might face if you're in Daniel's position in this account, what temptations you yourself might struggle with, it probably would get about endless. Uh, Anger, malice, hate, uh, self-righteousness, self-pity, you name it. We start to list our, all the temptations that we might be faced with because I'm an innocent man. I'm being attacked and maliciously accused by uh, my coworkers, by the, these satraps that Daniel's serving with and working with in Babylon. And if we were to start listing them out and start realizing, man, this is a lot of temptations that if I were Daniel, I would have to take on and get overwhelming, get really overwhelming. So, I'm sure, like a lot of you, I instead think, how, how is this possible that we get to a verse 22 of Daniel 6, which says he was found blameless in the midst of all these temptations? How can anyone, through all of this, get found blameless in the midst of all these temptations? I know for me, I think of immediately, I think of trying to fall asleep. If, you ever, uh, if you've ever had... Um, the situation where you have a busy day the next morning, you have something, a lot going on, maybe even responsibilities that you really don't want to do, some things you don't want to do, and you need to get up early in the morning, and you're laying in bed, you can't sleep, what happens? You start rolling there, you start stressing about it, and then you, you make the first mistake, you start doing math. 
I only have this many hours till my alarm goes off. The anxiety builds. You're now focusing on the lack of sleep you're getting. And then what happens further? I know for me, I just had this, this last week, I lay there and say, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, right? And you, you know this won't work. This doesn't work. It gets worse and worse and worse. And what we're going to see today with Daniel is that rather than Daniel going, these are all the temptations I'm going to face, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, and focusing, don't do that sin, don't do that sin, don't do that sin. Instead, he has a spiritual mind. He has a mind set on the spirit. It's the presence of the spirit that makes Daniel able to go through this whole account in Daniel 6 and not find himself eaten by lions. Instead, he's found blameless to the point where he can tell the king to his face while surrounded by lions, I've been found blameless. And even better, I've been found blameless before God. It's not the path for us to focus on temptation and sin and hold on to it, to fixate on it. We do it, though. If you struggle with anger, you walk into a scenario where you know you're going to get angry, whether it's children, spouse, coworker, boss, whatever it might be, you might be telling yourself, don't get angry, don't get angry, don't get angry, in your head. And yet, you end up angry. And you tell yourself, be patient. Don't look at that girl. Don't look with lust in my heart. You can leave church on a Sunday. I am this week. This is the week. I've done my confession early in the service. We ate, I got the message. We ate the Lord's Supper. This is the week I'm not going to fall into this sin. And we fixate on the sin and not doing it. But that's not what Daniel does here. Instead, the focus is going to be to shift over onto the things of the Spirit rather than fixating on the sin you want to avoid. Galatians 5, 16, and 17 tells us, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. There is nothing more that the adversary would want than you to focus on that sin, to fixate on it, to see it, because then that's exactly where you're going to go. It's exactly where you're going to go. Your mind is off the spirit because you are so fixated on your sin. Now, it's clear it's, we, ha- we love the law because the law exposes our sin, and we need to have repentance for that sin. But then to go into your week, to leave today, if you leave today feeling what you've probably felt before, which is, I'm going to be better, it's to lift you up. You're lifting yourself up, saying, I have the willpower, I have the strength. And you don't. You don't. You're going to fall into it again. Instead, we need to, like Daniel, in order to be found blameless, we need to trust in our God and have our mind on the Spirit. We know this is what's happening with Daniel. We know this is what's happening with Daniel because in Daniel 1, we've, we preached... At this point, a year and a half ago, when I preached on Daniel 1, we saw how a great spirit was found in Daniel. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were all given the opportunity to display their skills and prowess, but the knowledge that's in those those verses that we're told they're blessed with is a knowledge of the things of God. It's the same language that's used for knowledge and wisdom in the Proverbs. 
It is a godly knowledge. It is not a scientific knowledge, though that may have come with it. It is a godly knowledge. And we know also Daniel's filled with the Spirit because he's a prophet. He ends up, once we get through Daniel 6, we're going to go 7 onwards, we have prophecies. He is a prophet. He is filled with the Spirit. And then we're told it explicitly in Daniel 6, verse 3. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Daniel 6 is not about the glorification of Daniel. It is about the spirit and the one to whom he points to. So Daniel 6, we shouldn't be walking away and saying, I want to be like Daniel. I want us to walk away today saying, I want to be filled with the Spirit. But how do we do that? Well, stay tuned. We're going to get through it. Look with me, um, look with me at the presence of the Spirit and the effects it has. I, my hope is that as we start to look through these three points, I have them on the back of the bulletin, of what the presence of the Spirit produces, my hope is you start to feel relief stress, anxiety fall off your back because you don't need your will to get you through sin. You need the will of the Spirit to do it. And I want you to see how with Daniel this happens, but it is because of the Spirit that it is, it will happen. It is the Spirit's doing, which means the responsibility for you to grit your way through it is off. So my hope is that we, we all come away seeing this clearly. Let's start with how the presence of the Spirit produces faithfulness. If you look first at uh, Daniel 6, 4, Daniel chapter 6, verse 4, and I'll warn you, we're going to go through a lot of different verses in Daniel uh, progressing because we will have this uh, progressive spiraling repetition in Daniel to try to focus us in on the consistency of all these things. So we're going to move through some verses here, but starting in Daniel 6, 4, we have it said, then the high officials and satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. So the presence of the Spirit produces faithfulness. Daniel's filled with Spirit, is found faithful. But this is even greater in the original language than it is even um, in what we're reading here in English. That first portion where it says, then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint, that sought, it's actually in Aramaic, a durative clause, meaning duration over time. It could, it could be better translated, they continually sought. This is progressive. This wasn't a snapshot and took a picture and then in that snapshot, Daniel's faithful in this moment, so there's nothing we can do. These are schemers. These are schemers. They are constantly looking and prying. Because earlier in Daniel uh, 6.3, it says how um, uh, Daniel was going to be lifted up and elevated to a status beyond these men. And so we see this continual faithfulness being highlighted in 6.4. But then down in verse 10, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, opened towards Jerusalem, he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. We're seeing again, now it's elevating, okay? It's starting to elevate this, this faithfulness. It started by the schemers and evil men of this world seeing the faithfulness and knowing there's nothing they can do to trip this guy up. 
We're going to have to trip him up with his God. That's the only way we've got. Then in verse 10, Daniel, we're explicitly told by Scripture that Daniel knows full well what he's about to do, knows full well the consequences on earth and what's at stake, and rather than fixating on the temptation, he is fixated on the worship of his God, and he goes up where he always goes, and he faithfully prays. This consistency, this consistency is there, this faithfulness. And then in verse 16, we're going to see how Darius himself, the king, acknowledges the faithfulness of Daniel because of this spirit. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. Continually moved from the schemers in the basement to now Daniel and his consistency. He knows for what he's doing himself. We now have a king recognizing it. Then in verse 20, we have, um, uh, we have the king acknowledging it again. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? But it reaches its culmination and its peak in verse 22. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And I also before you, O king, have done no harm. Verse 23, we're told it's because of the trust he had in God. He's been found blameless. This, this repetitiveness that we're seeing in Daniel 6 where the, Daniel is wanting us to see what the Holy Spirit is doing in his life in this situation, in this narrative, it has reached its peak in God finding him blameless. That is the peak of faithfulness. The presence of the Spirit will produce faithfulness. It is unavoidable. It is when we set our minds on the things of the flesh and walk in the flesh rather than walking in the Spirit that we have unfaithfulness, that we are not who our new identity is in our new creation in Christ. Look with me now at the presence of the Spirit and how it cannot be hidden. If you think uh, where, where I looked, read earlier in Galatians 5, 16, 17, most of you are probably more familiar with what's further down in that few verses in 22 and 23. We have the, the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit talks about love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. When you hear those things, if you think of, oh, that sounds so passive and timid and hidden, then I would say you're missing it. You're missing it. It is not timid. It is not hidden. In fact, if anything, we see that the person who walks peacefully is so counter to this world and society and, and the pressure that is being put on Daniel, the fact that the norm is to be a scheming divisor, that the peacefulness of Daniel, if anything, is a, he's a weirdo. It is not hidden. It is obvious. Look, look at the obviousness of this. In, in Daniel 6, 1 through 3, we already have it to begin with. What is Daniel? He's a slave. He's a slave from Israel, from Judah. And who's in authority now? Well, Darius, the Medo-Persians, Medes and Persians. This Medo-Persian empire, they took lots of slaves themselves, sure, but they're keeping around. They're not only not killing, but they're preserving the life of a slave who was a slave ruling in a, with loyalties to a previous two regimes in Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. And yet there's something special about the presence of the Spirit that is noticeable 
to, uh, to Darius. And to the point of not only retaining, saving his life, retaining him, he now becomes one of the 120 satraps elevated to one of the top three. And now Darius has his mind set on making Daniel the one to rule over the entire kingdom, to give him the whole kingdom. Well, even further, so, so clearly Darius sees there is something going on here with the presence of this spirit. And we see in verse 5 then, the schemers, after having schemed and not been able to find him because of the faithfulness, it says in 5, then these men said, we shall not find any ground for a complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. This is significant. This is significant because knowledge has been poured throughout Daniel of the God of Daniel by pagans. We've seen in Nebuchadnezzar them refer to Daniel, who worships one of the gods, plural, referring to a pantheon. We've seen the queen mother, the mother of Belshazzar, who comes in and says, oh, Daniel, who's one who had a spirit of, of the gods, plural. We've seen poor theology by the pagans, and yet here it seems that Daniel, having progressed and matured and being full of the spirit, there is something of knowledge, even by the people who dislike him and hate him for it the most, here. The words that's used for law in Aramaic refers to a written edict. It is a written law. So not only is it not just rules, it's not that they know, oh, he has a God, he must have some set of rules. No, they're aware Daniel follows these rules. They've seen him faithfully follow them. And they're also aware that he follows a God, a singular God, with a law that is written. So I would say even whatever Daniel has to read, I don't know if it is all of the scrolls at that time or if he has one particular scroll, whatever law Daniel has to read, they know it exists. It is anything but hidden. His faith is obvious. In verse 16, we have, then the king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God, singular, whom you serve continually deliver you. Even the king knows that he believes in a singular God, not a pantheon of gods. He's a mono, Daniel's a monotheist. That is not normal for society at this point in time. Then it progresses further in uh, 20, we have uh, the king declaring that he has a living God. This is the type of language that we as Christians use, living God. This is not the type of language that the king would use to talk about pagan gods. So the king knows something of Daniel and his God, one who is clearly filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, and so has the fruit of the Spirit, and yet that peaceful gentleness, kindness, his self-control, it still results in others around him being aware of his God and the law of his God and the fact that he has a living God. In 25 through 27, we have Darius then so pushed to the point of knowledge about this God, he, he speaks at this point, from this point on, of a decree to all ends of the earth because he cannot help having seen what the power of God can do through God's angel in shutting the mouths of lions and saving Daniel. He cannot help but decree out to all the ends of the earth. So Daniel, who's been walking faithfully, gent gently, displaying the fruits of the Spirit, the result of that is an edict about the greatness of God and how the, he needs to be feared and trembled before 
that he's an enduring, that he's a living God that endures forever, that he has a kingdom that will never be destroyed, that goes to the ends of the earth because of this meek one. The presence of the Spirit produces faithfulness. Then that faithfulness cannot be hidden because there are too many opportunities for interaction with the world and temptation. And Daniel, with his mind set on the Spirit, naturally lives by the Spirit, and the fruit comes out, which testifies to his God that cannot be hidden. Well, then, as we get into the presence of the Spirit and how it evokes and exposes, I want us to think about a couple of Proverbs that are probably very familiar to us. There's, we have, we've heard, and I, I say it to myself frequently, a soft answer turns away wrath, right? We, we prepare ourselves to respond to antagonism um, by um, trying not to, in an effort not to get angry, we say a soft answer turns away wrath. We'll repeat this scripture to ourselves. But then we're also told in Proverbs uh, 25, we're told if you feed and give water to your enemies, it'll heap burning coals on their head. So how is the love of saying a kind word in the midst of our enemies being adversarial turn away wrath, and yet at the same time we have the love result in hot coals being heaped on their head. Well, the answer is, all with, as usually with these things, it's both and it's neither. It can be either. In this case, in Daniel, what we see is the result of, of Daniel being faithful, the Holy Spirit exposing the truth of the Spirit and the things of the Spirit results in the enemies of God being exposed and evoked to a response of hatred and scheming and murder. And for those that love God and for others that who in their heart yearn for God, I think fully appropriate that our brother Rob Roy talked about in um, Romans 10, talking about how they have a passion for God. Their heart yearns for God, though they do not know him. It is here we see it with Darius. We see it with some of these situations where the love of, that can't, comes from God, that comes from the Spirit, results in love and a loving response. It's turned away wrath. It is brought back and seen fruit in the people who he is loving. In Daniel 6, 5, we had, we had the law and them scheming. They can't find complaint. Well, we see the schemers scheme. They do what they do. They scheme. And in 14 through 16, we then have the king hearing these words. So the same, the king who knows the same Daniel as these other satraps, his response, instead of scheming to kill him, after realizing he's been duped and he's made a huge mistake, the king says, uh, was as much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, No, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. The king, in having the relationship and being exposed to the love of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit in Daniel, what we would hope to see in the response of others, which is to have love and appreciation and see distinct and to want to know more about what's inside of Daniel. And the result is that he is driven into distress 
in 18 through 20, he's, he, um, he ends up struggling to sleep. He went, spent the night fasting. Diversions were brought to him. Sleep fled, fled from him. And then at the break of day, what does he do? He goes in haste. He hustles. And the king hustling is a strange thing to do um, at any time. Uh, but especially at this point in time, the idea of, of this king going in haste to see him and when he goes, he cries out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you continually serve been able to deliver you from the lions? This anguish, this pain that he's feeling, this isn't, ooh, I've got a really good official. His return on investment is 75%, and I want to keep those annual returns coming. I need to keep this really good counselor here with me. No, a king has made a law that he realizes is complete foolishness, and he has a deep love for Daniel that results from the presence of the Spirit. And where do we see this at its, at its most, where we have the Spirit both evoking a response of hatred, and we also see the Spirit at its clearest evoking a response of love and understanding and a desire to learn more and to worship? We see this at its peak in the, in the work of Christ, the ministry of Christ. Christ is despised and hated and schemed against as he ministers and walks by the fruit of the Spirit better than anyone else has ever done. As he is serving and healing, loving, pouring out on widows and orphans, schemers see it and they say, hey, I can trap him up in the law of his God. And yet, we, what, do we, what else do we get to see? We get to see disciples called. We get to see people who run out onto the street out of faithfulness just to touch his garment because of their faithfulness. Those who say, hey, Christ, if you wish my son to come back to life, it can be done because of, his faith, because of their faithfulness. The presence of the Spirit will evoke a response. So this is where the relief of us, when we think about the struggles of temptation and sin, and we want to be this Daniel, we want to be in the situation where we're found blameless, and yet we struggle with all these sins that Daniel just seems to brush off with ease. If we think about this, it's actually pretty straightforward, which is, it's not Daniel, it's the presence of the Spirit that produces faithfulness. And from that faithfulness, we see clearly that it gets known. His faithfulness is visible and seen. And from being seen, it then results in a response to the glory of God, either to the judgment of God's adversaries or to bringing and calling the sinner to repentance. That's not on you. That's on the Spirit. It is so encouraging to think then, okay, I need to be filled with the Spirit rather than to be filled with the fear of sin and gripped by the fear of sin. We hate sin. It is evil but we want to dwell on the things of God, not on the things of flesh. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. So at this point, my hope is you're seeing, you're seeing how Daniel filled with the Spirit, and you say, give me some of that. I want some of that. How do I get filled? Well, in Romans chapter 8, we're told in verses 5 through 7, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, 
but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 5 started it off for us. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Don't set your mind. We're not blind to sin, but do not set your mind on sin. Instead, set your mind on the things of the Spirit, the good, virtuous, holy things of God. To set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Do not dwell on sin, but instead dwell on the things of God. Brothers and sisters, it is, it is the flesh that wants us to focus on the struggles of this life, the temptations, the sin, the persecution, the scheming of others against us. The adversary would love to distract you from Christ so that you are focused on your life here on earth. But if we do, we end up saying, Daniel, wow, he overcame such persecution. And we miss the beauty and the glory of Christ. Instead, I want to look at Daniel 6 and go, hmm, there's, there's a man who is faithfully serving and ministering, who is being observed ministering in his lifetime, and then as a result gets schemed against. And after getting schemed against, they use the law of man to trap him to death. And the authority who now is, feels stuck and has to put him to death, he knows he's innocent. He doesn't want to put him to death. He ends up out of cowardice and fear putting him to death anyway. Then puts him in a place to die, seals the tomb. At dawn, sprints in haste to go look at this tomb. And after the sealed tomb that was sealed with his signet, sees it open, does he find death? No, he finds life. The Holy Spirit is in Daniel, and what the Holy Spirit does, we're told in John 15, 25, uh, by, by Jesus, the Holy Spirit testifies to Jesus. If we see the Spirit, if we are filled with the Spirit, if we set our minds on the Spirit rather than on the things of the flesh, we will instead see Christ. We won't see struggle. If you think about the pain that is in your back, it will hurt more. We've all been there. If instead you suddenly get distracted by something else, you, you forget the pain. And what is, what is greater than distraction? It is being filled with the things of God and the things of Christ. If you do not love the things of spirit, if you're sitting in here and you're thinking, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness, these are not the things for me. This being here, I'm doing this, but I just, I don't feel it. I don't love these things. You should be concerned. This is the Holy Spirit. This is the word of God being given to you. And my hope and my prayer is that the Holy Spirit exposes you, as I know he does. That the presence of the Spirit today will expose to you your status before God. Are you a schemer who manipulates who does not want to do the things of the law of God? Or are you one who loves God and wants to do the law of God and to do these written edicts, this law of God, and to serve him faithfully? If you don't love the law of God, pray that the Lord would change your heart. Come, speak to one of the elders. Let's pray with you.
Let's teach you of the things of God. Because to set your mind on the things of the Spirit is to walk in the Spirit. For those of us who are believers, you can relieve some of the burden of struggling with sin. I don't say that to say you will not struggle with sin. That is not, that is not our, our walk on this life. It is not until we are in glory in heaven. We will not be perfect. We will deal with sin. But not because we, in our Christ-like walk and our focus on the Spirit, are sinning. It's because we're back in our flesh and we've sinned in our flesh. So get your focus out of it. Instead, feel the relief and joy to think and dwell on the things of God. Be filled with the Spirit and set your mind on the Spirit, as Daniel does. I'm going to close us with reading an incredibly familiar passage to us all. Hear the words of Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Let's pray. God, please fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your spirit, Lord, to first expose our sin, but so that we might repent of it and be brought back on the path to walk faithfully and to worship you so that in the faithfulness that only the spirit can produce, we might be a beaming light set on a hill for that spirit and for the Christ we worship. And that then from that light, further saints will be brought to you because they have been exposed to this light. And those that are the enemies will be made clear and further be made into a footstool and their condemnation made sure because of their darkness in contrast to the light. May you fill us with this spirit so that we can be more like Christ, that we might be found blameless as we know only the work of Christ and the Holy Spirit can result in. May you be glorified. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.